Welcome to CoreLogic REIP Market Insights with Tim Lawless. I'm your host, Sadna Smiles. This is where you will get the most up-to-date information on what is happening across the country in the property market. Our data is underpinned by CoreLogic. Tim Lawless is the leading expert on the real estate market, and REIP is a collective of real estate industry leaders committed to uniting and empowering the industry and our clients. Please enjoy this month's Market Insights. Hello and welcome to REIP CoreLogic Market Insights with my guest, Tim Lawless, who is the head of CoreLogic, uh, research at CoreLogic, sorry. I'm your host, Sardna Smiles. Tim, how are you? Really well, thank you, Sardna. I hope you're going well. Yeah, I am. You think I get your title right after a whole year of introducing you? <laughs> my boss, Lisa, might, might get offended if uh, I say I'm the boss. I know. Well, I think I'm a bit hungover after the races yesterday. I watched the uh, the Melbourne Cup and you watched the Reserve Bank rate, uh, interestingly enough. Um, did the decision surprise you yesterday? I think there was a lot of expectation that the rate was going to go up, yet that didn't happen. Yeah, I was I was much more in tune with the the rate that stopped the nation rather than the race, but uh, it was certainly a uh, an important inflection point I think for monetary policy, and that was really um, underlined by the fact that the Reserve Bank Governor had a webinar following uh, following the announcement, which is not normal. They only do that when there's a change of stance. So we did see the the bank uh, have, have decided to abandon their their yield curve targeting which is a really important uh, component of, of monetary policy. They've held the cash rate firm. They're still buying a ton of, uh, of government uh, bonds as well. So th- those components of uh, monetary policy are unchanged. But probably the most important component of the, the RBA uh, statement was that they're now starting to bring forward their expectation around inflation meeting their, their target range. Previously, that was uh, 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 the RBA wasn't expecting inflation to get into the middle of their target range by 2024, the earliest. Now they're starting to say probably late 2023, which is lining up a little bit more with what a lot of the private sector economists have been saying, that interest rates are likely to rise earlier than 2024, some even calling late 2022. But the RBA was quite adamant that they're not expecting rates to rise next year. It is going to be a, um, a 2023 story, maybe even still 2024. Mm. And I've been reading how uh, commentary around the sub 2% mortgage rates uh, will now be a thing of the past. I think that's probably fair enough. And uh, we're already seeing uh, fixed rate mortgages lifting. We saw that earlier with, with longer term fixed rates, so three year plus. We're already uh, trending higher, and now we're starting to see the shorter-term fixed rates moving a little bit higher. That's simply reflecting the higher uh, bond yield that we're seeing coming through, rather than uh, any sort of meaningful impact on on the cap from the cash rate. But I think it's uh, it's safe to assume variable mortgage rates aren't going to be moving too much from here. They're probably at the bottom of the of the cycle now, but they shouldn't be lifting until we start to see the cash rate rise. And do you think that this will? sort of soften the market boom a little bit over in 2022? You'd have to expect any sort of up, uh, upwards movement in interest rates is a net negative for housing markets. So yeah, if anything, it is uh, certainly another factor that's likely to dampen conditions. We're already seeing affordability uh, dampen the market. We're already seeing, uh, well, from this month, we'll see APRA um, uh, tighter credit regulations starting to work through. We're starting to see listing numbers rising as well. All those factors combined probably aren't all that meaningful in themselves, but add them all together, 
And uh, you probably will find that the market continues to taper in the rate of growth. So let's talk about the rate of growth in October. We've seen it's been fairly um, fairly stable, although it's only had a one point five percent lift uh, as of as of the end of October. Yeah, so what one and a half percent? You know, I wouldn't use only in front of that. That's no, I, know. I shouldn't. Should I really? Still, it's, uh, it's still significant. <laughs> That's still really strong. So. Typically, over the past 10 years, we've seen an average monthly growth rate of about 0.5, 0.6%. So 1.5% growth is still massive. So, um, But we have seen markets like Sydney and Melbourne, they've seen their monthly growth rate more than half. Back in March, Sydney was rising at nearly 4% month on month. Now that's down to 1.5%. Melbourne was rising at nearly 3%. Now that's down to 1% growth. But Brisbane and Adelaide have reached a new cyclical high. They're not slowing down at all. So we've seen Brisbane record a 2.5% growth rate over the month. Adelaide's up 2%. We haven't seen that level of growth so far through this this COVID uh, period to date. So very different. We're starting to see a lot more diversity coming through in the numbers. Perth was actually down slightly. It was down 0.1%. So a a real change in that trajectory across WA where we've been seeing probably some disruption from closed state borders and it's probably stopped that interstate migration flow, at least temporarily. Um, We've started to see finance has drifted backwards in WA as well. So there's been a real slowdown in lending. And of course, um, if you look at sentiment readings, uh, the best uh, sentiment reading comes out of Westpac and the Melbourne Institute. They're showing WA is showing now the weakest level of housing market sentiment as well. I wonder if that's going to encourage them to open their borders up before April next year. Who knows? No, they seem pretty adamant that uh, they're going to stay closed for, for a while. And with the with the migration going into Brisbane, I can only expect that market to continue to increase. Um, I, I can't see it moving backwards. Half of Victoria is moving up there at the moment. That seems to be the case. And uh, we have seen an announcement from the Queensland Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, that uh, state borders will open up freely on December 17th. You'd have to imagine that's going to see a further uh rise in the interstate migration flow. You know, Southeast Queensland, it sort of ticks a lot of the boxes that are very popular at the moment. It has that lifestyle appeal because of the climate. It's much more affordable than Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, The typical price in Brisbane, for example, it's about $642,000 for a dwelling. Compare that to Sydney, over a million. Compare it to Melbourne, about $780,000. So definitely more affordable. And it also uh, shows an improving economy. And that's probably going to improve even further once we see international borders opening and hopefully tourism starting to uh, to pick up. Mm. Do you see the rates changing in Melbourne with the borders opening? I mean, you know, sorry, Melbourne and Sydney, they've, they've had the, you know, all the brunt of it over the last sort of 18 months or so. Do you see that changing as borders open up and certainly international borders open up? Well, you'd have to expect that uh, international borders opening will be a positive for for Melbourne in particular, but also Sydney. Melbourne sees the largest number of uh, overseas arrivals, followed by by Sydney. A lot of them are students and visitors, so the temporary arrivals. We expect that's going to have a direct impact on rental markets before it shows through in in housing demand or purchasing demand. Whereas for the, uh, the state flows, I wouldn't be surprised that that takes longer to actually adjust we were seeing uh, a real pickup in interstate migration coming into markets like Southeast Queensland well before COVID. COVID has really amplified this trend. So it really depends on economic conditions. It depends on uh, 
um, what state government policies are going to be like as well, but uh, definitely one to keep an eye on. Mm. And what's happening in the regional markets, Tim? Well, the regional markets have once again outperformed the capital city. So this ongoing trend where regional markets have become very popular, again, on that demographic trend, more people leaving the capitals, going to the regions, fewer people leaving the regions to, uh, to arrive in the capitals. So that the demographic shift is really creating a lot of housing demand across areas that don't really have a lot of elasticity of supply. So there hasn't really been much of a supply response as well. But most of that growth around regional uh, uh, Australia, where values are up um, over the past 12 months, they're up 24.3% compared to the capitals up about 21%. Uh, most of that growth seems to be coming out of the coastal markets still, uh, as well as some of the major regional centres. So the areas that are commutable, livable, somewhat affordable seem to be the most popular, although you can't really use the word affordable anymore in some of the markets like Byron or Noosa. Those really popular coastal markets uh, have um, absolutely boomed and uh, just, just going through an acute shortage of housing. Mm. And some of the slowdown that we are starting to see, it, it goes back to the same things that we've been talking about, isn't it? It's, it's the affordability, the rising supply. We're starting to see more stock coming on market and some of the stimulus has ended across the country. Yeah, it's those three things. I think affordability is probably the biggest one. And then uh, progressively you can start to add to that the fact that credit's just starting to tighten up from this month as well. So a 50 basis point lift in the serviceability buffer. That's not material. It's going to uh, be more of a, a shot across the bow from APRA, but there is the potential that credit could tighten further, probably early next year if it is going to happen. But that really depends on what happens with uh, um, lending standards and household debt levels. And then uh, um, beyond that, of course, you've got the prospect that rates might rise earlier, as we talked about a bit earlier on. Uh, that's probably the back of people's minds as well. And no doubt banks will be uh, um, ensuring that the serviceability calculations are uh, are up to scratch, that there'll be a lot of focus on that from the regulator. Mm. And, and um, we've continued to see a, a lower rate of growth in units compared to houses, and that's just been the trend nearly all year, hasn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, it is starting to shift a little bit. So particularly in markets like Sydney, where affordability is just pushing a lot more people into that medium to high density sector. Canberra has been another market that's really underperformed from the unit sector, and we're really seeing the gap narrowing quite swiftly now in Canberra as well. Now, that market's been battling with a unit oversupply for quite some time. It's not really a COVID thing there, but uh, um, uh, interesting to see more people starting to choose a higher density option. No doubt a lift in investment activity is probably helping that as well, because we are seeing investors now nearly 32% of mortgage demand up from a 22% of demand back in January of this year. So a bit of a changing of the guard. First home buyers drifting downwards, uh, investors stepping up. Um, listing numbers are up, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, uh, from a market perspective, clearly more stock gives buyers more choice and takes away some of the urgency. So that's, that's definitely a factor that's adding to this uh, dampening of price growth. But to your point, I think this is a really healthy outcome you wouldn't expect listing numbers to stay as low as what they have been. So this is really a reflection of a real surge in new listings coming on the market. Part of that seasonal, part of it's a bit of pent-up supply coming out of Melbourne and Sydney in particular. But we're now starting to see demand dampening, which means finally the, the ratio of new listings to home sales 
is just starting to come down a little bit, which means total listings are finally starting to lift. And I think that will be a factor that we, we probably will continue to see through the rest of this year and then, of course, into 2022. Mm. Now let's talk about some rent, uh, the rental market. The national rents are up uh, slightly. Yeah, well, rents, rents are still rising. In fact, they're rising at the fastest pace since uh, 2008, early 2008. They're up uh, nearly 10% over the past 12 months. So we are seeing quite strong rental conditions. Again, this is very much a phenomenon that's focused towards houses rather than units. We're seeing house rents rising much faster than, than unit rents pretty much across every capital city. But another factor is uh, you know, we're starting to see that unit rental growth picking up a little bit now in some of the weakest markets like inner Melbourne, inner Sydney are both showing a rise in rents over the, uh, the three months ending October. So that's quite a turn of events as we start to see a lot of renters probably taking advantage of the fact that renting around inner city apartment markets is much more affordable than it used to be, <clears throat> excuse me, and rents around um, the outer fringe detached housing market have become much more expensive. So again, this is probably more about affordability, pushing more people or more renters into a high density situation simply because it's much cheaper. Mm. Affordability was always going to adjust this market, wasn't it? You didn't really need the RBA to step in. It was going to just do it through just that one factor. Absolutely. And uh, like any uh, um, asset class, once things become unaffordable, uh, demand starts to adjust accordingly. And uh, um, almost like uh, the path of least resistance home buyers are going to be forced to look for those more affordable housing options simply because that's where their budget will take them. Mm. And, you know, we, we, we're coming into the end of the year. We've really got one and a half months left of, of trading as such. Late spring market for certainly for Sydney and Melbourne. I'm expecting to see a hive of activity going into end of November, early December, a small break and then really picking up again in January. Are you, are you seeing the same thing? Well, normally that the seasonal trend is we see listing numbers peaking around or new, new listing numbers peaking around late November, um, sort of early December, and the same with auctions as well. So we've just moved through a couple of weeks where the number of auctions being held has been around the highest so far this year. We've seen Melbourne, um, the seventh highest number of auctions held ever uh, was last week as well. So the, the last week of November. So we should expect there's going to be more listings coming in the market, more auctions being held as well. Then, as you say, Sardana, uh, things will quieten off through the festive period and then start to reignite probably around late January, early February. So a big part of, um, I think, the rebound in the market next year is going to be what happens with credit policy, for example. If we do start to see a further tightening, then potentially we, we mightn't see the market bounce back as strongly as what we expect but if there isn't any further credit tightening and we don't see any adjustments to rates, which are highly unlikely early next year, then I think uh, the market will probably leave off where it's uh, commence where it left off late in 2021. Fairly strong start to next year, I presume. Tim, thank you again. I look forward to talking to you in December, which will be our last, um, last conversation for 2021. And it will be interesting to reflect what the whole year has, has really brought. It's probably more conversations of did you actually believe that happened <laughs> than anything else. So I look forward to talking to you about it then. Absolutely. Thanks, Sardine. Have a great month. Thank you for joining us. Please take a few moments to rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. Until next time, stay safe and stay connected.